A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast, right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. The interlull, it's over, folks. That's it. You can kiss its ass goodbye for another month. There is another one in November, unfortunately, but between now and then, it's football, 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 and Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. So many chances for Arsenal to Arsenal things right in their Arsenal. Maybe by this time next month, we might be grateful for another interlull, but I hope that is not the case. I hope we're on a fantastic, magnificent run of form and we don't want the football to stop. Unfortunately, it will. We do have an Arsenal-free weekend, of course, because we don't play until Monday night which is annoying, but there you go. But perhaps good things can happen in the Premier League this weekend to keep us entertained. Perhaps Newcastle could beat Chelsea. Perhaps Watford could beat Tottenham. Perhaps uh, Liverpool could beat Manchester United to add to their woes before we play Sheffield United at Bramall Lane on Monday night. It was a very... uh, I don't know, it was a strange kind of international break. There was sort of stuff going on, and then there wasn't stuff going on. And I actually had a few emails from people who were wondering why there was no comment on the website about the the racism that the uh, England players of the England team were subjected to uh, in Bulgaria. And part of the reason uh, for that was because, well, I didn't see the game and I was only reading second-hand reports of what was going on. And I'm not sure that my contribution would have been worth very much. It's like, well, racism is bad. That's 
yeah, it's bad. And UEFA don't do enough to tackle or combat racism. Um, that's not particularly groundbreaking or insightful for anybody because, you know, it's how do you argue against that? You know, it's not one of those things that's that's up for debate. Racism is bad. Yes, of course it is. I know we live in a world where it, it feels like at times somebody will come on TV and say racism is bad. But then in the interest of balance, we have uh, Bob Ku Klux Klan over here who's going to tell us what he thinks about racism, which, of course, is absurd. There are certain things that are just they're not up for debate. They don't need discussion. You don't need balance when something is completely wrong. Um, so so really, that's why um, I've written about it before. I'm sure I will write about it again. But if you are interested in a, a couple of people who are on my timeline who are uh, really good to follow when it comes to things like this, first off is Musa Okwanga, uh, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago before we played uh, Manchester United. Um, he is at Okwanga. And the other is Elliot Ross, who's at Elliot underscore underscore Ross, um, who was previously football as a country. Um, and just their commentary and their insight into issues like this uh, make them great follows. And they've got more uh, more to say from a place of um, authority on things like this than I do beyond what you or I or any decent person would feel uh, about racism. Um, what else? We have the big Mesut Ozil interview that dropped with David Ornstein in The Athletic which is uh, a very, very interesting interview. We're going to do a bit of a phone-in show today, so no doubt one or two of the people who call in will be looking to uh, to talk about Ozil and the Ozil situation and the things that he said. I mean, Unai Emery said there are people who uh, deserve to play ahead of him. And Mesut Ozil has basically said, I respect the coach, all of my coaches. I don't have a personal problem with him. But he's more or less contradicted that by saying, you know, he's training hard, doing extra training, and that, and that the only problem this season was the, the moped attack, which set him back a little bit. But, you know, given uh, given what Emery said and given what Ozil has said, we'll have to wait and see if there's some rapprochement. There appears to be this, uh, this Thursday evening. Unai Emery has been speaking about Ozil and uh, he said he acknowledges the year started in a difficult way with him and then he had problems and then it stopped and then he was sick and he lost a lot of training um, but he says he's improved in training and he says he never closed the door on him coming back to play but you know it's um yeah, it's a, it's just a strange, strange situation. Um, and so much has gone on in Mesut Ozil's life over the last 18 months. Um, I wrote about it on the blog today, Thursday, so if you want to go back and read it. But just, you know, the litany of things that happened from the World Cup, the end of the World Cup onwards, some of them good, some of them bad, some of them very bad, some of them quite good. You know, it's just been a whole lot going on. So if his head is wrecked a little bit, you could understand it. But, you know, again, despite the interview, despite what Emery has said today, I, I you can't help but feel there's something bubbling along in the uh, in the background that we're not quite aware of. And this is, this is two sides kind of playing a little bit of a game with each other because Ozil, you know, has, has said, look, I have no intention of leaving. I don't want to leave. And if you were to look at it from the outside, you might say that the way that Arsenal and uh, Emery, uh, to an extent, have treated Ozil suggests that they wouldn't mind him leaving. So it remains to be seen how it's all going to play out. But um, that's something we will uh, we'll discover in due course. One of the good things or one of the funny things that happened this week was the, um, the publication of Clive Allen's autobiography, which is quite amazing, the snippet that appeared in the Evening Standard, where he was talking about how angry he was um, with Arsene Wenger. 
he took umbrage at being called a cheat or Tottenham being called cheats by Arsene Wenger and he was really determined to stick it to Arsene Wenger and uh, when they beat us at White Hart Lane in 2011 this is the way he he tells the story in the in the autobiography he says I was wrong to do it but at full time I jumped up and went straight to see him nose to nose <laughs> That's a bit much. Someone came in and wanted to shake my hand nose to nose. You'd be like, here, listen, Mr. fucking Eskimo, I'm not into this. Bit of personal space. No wonder Arson didn't want to have anything to do with them. Anyway, he said, I stuck out my hand to shake, but he just walked past me because he'd lost. That's the way he is. I chased after him down the tunnel. Come on, Arson, I shouted. Are you a man or a mouse? Shake my hand. He wouldn't. At that point, I lost it. The tunnel area was beginning to teem with stewards, press and the players, and probably Ivan Gazidis, given that it was a tunnel area. We know how much he loves those. They were beginning to make their way off the pitch. I couldn't believe his attitude. Where are you walking to? You're a mouse! I screamed at him. I was ready to blow. Just because we've won for once? Now, if that isn't the most magnificent cell phone of all time, I don't know what is. Just because we've won for once. Can you imagine Clive Allen in the fucking tunnel going, you're a mouse, and not realizing that by saying, oh, because you've won for once? Uh, What does that tell you, man? And of course, that whole situation is made uh, even more hilarious by the photographer who caught the pictures of that moment where he's trying to shake Arsene Wenger's hand and Arsene Wenger is just looking beyond him like like he's just irrelevant, which of course he basically is. Um, but the face on Clive Allen, he's got this like grimace, the teeth going, he's so furious, so very, very angry. And Arsene Wenger won't shake his hand, probably because he knew it would make him even more angry. And whatever you think about Arsene Wenger, that is a majestic piece of of um, shade being thrown at an opposition, not assistant manager. What was he? He was like one of the one of the first team coaches at uh, Tottenham under, was it Harry Redknapp? I think it was Harry Redknapp. Probably with Tim Sherwood too. Like himself and Tim Sherwood seem like, like they're probably, you know, very much on the same wavelength. I also particularly enjoyed the <laughs> the final part of that uh, of that little snippet where he says, "Arson Wenger, no, I wouldn't give him the time of day as long as I live." Well, you know, apart from spending the time it took to write a whole section in your book about him, apart from that, you wouldn't give him the time of day. No, sir. No, no, no. The uh, the other thing I just want to talk about very briefly uh, today, given that it is, uh, what date is it? Well, it's going to be October 18th when you're listening to this. On October 20th, 2006, the very first Arsecast was published. So we're kind of in the in the weekend of the, the Arsecast's birthday. And I know there are people who have been uh, listening to it since day one. Um, since the very first episode. And if you have uh, been with me and us throughout that entire tenure of, of 13 years, thank you very much indeed. Unfortunately, there are no refunds for the amount of time uh, it's taken up. And uh, I can't give you that time in your life back. But I, I really do appreciate you listening for, for that amount of time and still listening if you still listen. But regardless of how long you've been listening, thank you very much indeed. It's uh, it's always great to have you along. And I guess like 13 years must make it one of the most long-running podcasts 
in the world. I know there are like uh, podcasts who've got far more episodes and they produce more episodes perhaps, but haven't been going quite as long. But it's all about the, um, the duration. That's what it is. It's about staying power. It's quality over quantity. That's, you know, that's what it is, folks. So um, for all of you, whether you've been here 13 years or 13 months or 13 weeks, whatever it might be, thanks a million uh, for, for tuning in, for downloading, for listening, for subscribing, for, for getting involved with whatever various sponsors that we've had down the years, whether it's free beer or, or cashmere scarves or whatever it might have been. Uh, a big thank you from me to, uh, to all of you. Right. Let's get on with the show, and we're taking some calls uh, today from our Arsplug members on Patreon. If you want to support the site and the podcast and everything else, you can sign up uh, at patreon.com forward slash Arsplug. One of the things you get access to is the Arsplug Discord server, uh, from which we are going to take the calls for this particular podcast. I don't know what people are going to ask. We'll just see what comes, and let's see who we're going to talk to. Hello. Hi, Andrew. It's uh, Jez here. Hey, Jez. How's it going? Not bad, mate. Yourself? Not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Thursday evening, I've got a beer. I'm recording a podcast. Could be worse. Sounds good to me. So I've got a quick question for you. It's not about the current uh, team and climate, if that's all right. All right. Um, You know, when uh, you hear Arsene talk about, could have got Ronaldo few more pounds uh, could have got messy etc but have you ever thought or watched the best decision he chose where he chose not to sign a player you think harry kuehl obafemi martins uh there are probably loads more the one where you thought actually in hindsight that was a really good call not to sign him um that's a really good question because i one of the things that strikes me is we don't quite know why deals that we were meant to do didn't happen. So was it a case that Arsene Wenger decided, mm, I think I'll go in a different direction there? Or was it a case that we just couldn't get the deal done and therefore that player became somebody we, we didn't sign? You know what I mean? I'm just trying to think. I mean, I think one of the ones that sticks out to me is, um, even though we did kind of sign him a bit, is Julio Baptista. Where, yeah. you know, we were we were big on signing that guy, and then it only happened on loan, and then we got him on loan for a season, and realized, wow, we kind of missed a or dodged a bullet there in terms of signing him full time. I mean, there've been players we've been linked with in the past where I think, okay, yeah, I'm quite I'm quite glad we didn't we didn't go down that road, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Is there anyone in particular you're thinking of? I. Uh... I really enjoyed watching Harry Kuehl at Leeds, and he was pretty close, I think, to joining Arsenal, whatever reason. Yeah. He went to Liverpool, and I expected, oh, God, they might, you know, start challenging us and United for the title now. Didn't really work out, and he just kind of went away in the end and just career went to a slump. Maybe it would have been better Arsenal, but really I think it kind of would have been the same, and it would have cost a lot of money. And I thought, yeah, it was should it be Arsene saying, actually, no, that was a good call? Yeah. I mean, he went to Liverpool in 2003, but I think we were interested in him 
maybe the year before that, was it? He certainly there were talk, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm just trying to think who we signed in the season that he signed for uh, for Liverpool. In that summer, in the summer of 2003, we only signed Lehman and Clichy, I think, didn't we? Yeah, we were heavily linked. I was just wondering, Perez would be on the left, so I'm not sure who he would go in or where he would have played. Maybe he would have been a yeah, it's it's one of those that one of those I think that we um we probably didn't get done not because we didn't want to but because there was some other complication in the deal. Uh, I think yeah. with, with Kuhl. All right. Well, look, I'll go take another call and uh, thanks for thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Have a good night. All right, you too. Cheers. Hello. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Hi. This is uh, Ollie. Yeah, this is Ollie. How are you doing? Oh, you cut out. I cut out. Yeah, this is weird. The audio on this is a bit dodgy. Okay. I'm not quite sure whether it's my end or your end or whether it's the audio settings uh, at my end, but who knows. Pre- okay, shall I power on? No, yeah, yeah. let's power on and see where it takes us. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, so I was listening to an interview uh, on another podcast, which uh, I won't mention, um, but with Nigel Winterburn, uh, and he was talking about his time at Arsenal and at his other clubs. He said, uh, of Arsene Wenger um, basically that Wenger doesn't and would always shy away from it and was generally not that kind of manager who maybe dealt with players and egos kind of face to face I get the impression from a lot of the stuff I'm hearing and reading and seeing that Emery is quite a similar character so I was just curious to kind of What's your opinion of that, that style of management? Do you think that's a problem? Do you think that we need something different? You kind of cut out there, but I think what you said was that Wenger was a manager who didn't like confrontation. Was that right? Yeah, sorry about no, the no, it's not, Yeah, opinion. no, no, it's not your fault. I think it's just this, um, I think it's discord. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's something very admirable about the way, the way that Wenger always dealt with people and uh, or players as people, if you like. You know, he he saw them as human beings um, with with flaws, and I think he recognized with a lot of players, or he recognized that different players needed different things. Mm. Um, I don't think he was ever the guy who was, you know, the classic arm around the shoulder or kick up the arse. I'm not sure he was ever the kick up the arse guy, but I guess he tried to motivate players in in different ways. Um, you know, I think it's down to the personality of the the manager. Really, you could see how Alex Ferguson ruled by fear. He, Do you think you need a bit of an element of that though to be? I, I mean, obviously Wenger was very successful, but he did have a a team of very big personalities that could almost do that bit on their own. Whereas yeah. maybe footballers aren't like that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, you can do it in a different way, can't you? You don't have to be just an angry guy shouting at them. I think the fear can come from. It can come from a place of not wanting to let the manager down or let the team down, or even a fear that, like, if I don't perform on a regular basis, I'm going to lose my place. You know, Mm. that could be a different kind of a fear, not just like, I'm going to shout at you, because I think that wears off in the end. You know, you you come to see that as just a guy who's shouting and shouting, and he's an angry angry man. I mean, I think think Roy Keane tried to manage like that. And mm. really hasn't it hasn't worked for him. So a, a balance, I think, is is ideal. But you you don't have to be you don't have to be that that angry guy. I think Emery as well is is somebody who, um, from what we can see, he doesn't 
doesn't really do confrontation, although I think the the way that the, the Ozil situation has been handled, for example, suggests that he's not afraid to make decisions about players who, who maybe would be given a bit more leeway because of their stature and because of their their profile. You know, he's mm. he's done he's left Ozil out of the squad, he took him off in the Europa League final. You know, those were those were things I think which which um suggest um that he's not unhappy to rock the boat from time to time. Whether it whether it's you know got the right effect or not, I don't know. Okay. That's that's great. All Thank right. You, Andrew. Well, Ollie, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Cheers. Good luck with the rest of the pod. Bye. Thanks a million. Bye. Hello. Oh, good morning. Well, afternoon, I guess, for you guys. It How's is. It going? It's evening. It's evening. Evening. Yeah. Oh, it's a little different. It's noon. Well, it's one o'clock here in America right now. Which part of America are you in? Um, I'm from New York. Okay. Cool. Hi. So, and um, I actually had a couple questions that I wanted to bring up. That's all right. Sure. No problem. This uh, is Benny we're talking to. So, uh, hello to you, Benny. Hello. Hello, everybody. Um, so my first question is, uh, we've seen Chambers in action, right? Mm-hmm. Um, playing out on the wing. And he's shown quite a bit, a, a lot more skill than I thought he had and uh, a little bit more pace than I thought he had. So when we look at our problem with Chaka uh, and, and Emery having this desire to want to play him in the midfield, maybe we can, I think, overcome this problem with uh, with with Chaka not being, I guess, uh, pacey enough to keep up with the Premier League, how would you feel with a midfield of maybe Chambers and Torreira as holding midfielders and then playing Chaka up front to almost kind of support the ball to, uh, you know, Aubameyang and Pepe and uh, when Lacazette comes back, Lacazette, maybe playing Lacazette in like a false nine. Mm. Um, well... I, I certainly wouldn't play Xhaka further forward in the midfield. I mean, he does have a good range of passing, but I think when you get into the into the opposition half, you need to be a bit more mobile than he is. And if we've got issues with his pace and his athleticism and, and everything else in the position that he's playing in, I don't think playing him further forward is is the is the right thing. Um, if it were me, I think I would be inclined to play with with Torreira and Genduzzi as the the two deeper lying midfield players and then somebody ahead of them whether it was Sabayas or Willock or even Mesut Ozil to to be the creator to to provide the ammunition to that front three um Chambers you know I like I think he's a good player I think he's quite versatile I think it'll stand him in good stead I would see him probably more as an option at center half though rather than um, rather than in defensive midfield, I'm not sure that's somewhere that Emery is is going to play him. Um, maybe in one of the Europa League games or the Carabao Cup games, you don't know. But I don't think in Premier League, Emery will use uh, Chambers there. Right, right. I I think having the midfield kind of almost lot, well, a lot of the problem everywhere as far as defense and midfield lies. I think with Emery's decisions, in my personal opinion, and I know this is like a Sunday quarterback or a Monday quarterback kind of thing. You know, I'm not a manager in the Premier League. I never had, I've never been a manager in the Premier League. So it's easy for me to sit on the side and be sure. like, well, this is what we need to do. Um, but uh, why, why, why not play Ozil up front? And then, like you said, Ganduzi and Torreira, love them. Both two young guys, a lot of hustle, you know, and, and a lot of spirit to play. You know, that great game. We've seen Ganduzi stick up for his teammates, stick up for himself. I think we need that little bit of spark in the team. Sure. Um, 
But I, the problem is we have to figure out a pro, like where we're going to put Chaka because uh, now the, that he has I, the armband as well, yeah. it's just, you but, know, we can't it, it, can't just cut him out of the plans, but he's been a bit of a blunderbuss in the mm, midfield. Yeah, I mean, the bench is a good place for him. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I, I, I hate to say it, I love Chaka, but he just doesn't belong, in, at least in this team. Mm. And I... I hate all the hate that so- Socrates and and uh, you know um, uh, you know the rest of the center halves are getting because I think David Luiz and Socrates are both talented players, a bit older, a bit slower, a bit clumsier, and I would love to see Rob Holding and Chambers get the chance, but you know you can only put so much uh, fault on the center halves when yeah. the midfield is a complete disaster <laughs> they, at this point. In they time. do they do need a bit more protection, that's for sure. That's for right. sure. All right. Was uh, and uh, oh, do you have another question? You do. I I do. Okay. Um, us being Arsenal fans and being a bit critical of our players, um, and I'll start off with I absolutely love Pepe, and I don't want to put any hate on Pepe, but he's had a slow start, and and whether that's just he's adjusting to living in England and living in a new place with new teammates and and a different style of play, uh, he is a seventy-two dollar or seventy-two million man. Um, what? If you had to look at different players that you would spend that money on, who who would you prefer as far as with our with our problems that we have oh. now? I think we just got to give him some time and give him a chance to settle into the team properly. It's only been eight Premier League games. There's a load of football right. still to play. You know, I, I think at this point, talking about who you would rather is is kind of redundant because we've we paid the money. He's our player, and I you know we've got to give him a chance to 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 hit. Uh, to hit his stride and maybe with Lacazette coming back in that that'll help him um maybe he'll feel a bit more settled after not, a couple so of months why not take somebody that can maybe feed the ball to him a little bit better like dare I say Ozil mm. and start him in maybe a Premier League game I know it's a complete foreign thing to say but we have this guy on our bench that's making loads of money that I get it he's lazy I get it he doesn't play defense very well in fact we don't even know if he plays defense very well because he doesn't get back on the ball but why not just give him a shot? I mean, at this point in time, our only offense is through Aubameyang, and, and that can only last for how long? Yeah, yeah, until, yeah. You know, we, we can't we, just pressure on them. We do need to find a way to make the team a bit more uh, effective uh, from a creative point of view, and, and certainly Ozil is a player who can, who can give us that, whether Emery agrees or not. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. All right, Benny, you better leave it there, and we'll take another call in, in a moment. But thanks for, thanks for your time. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Hello? Hello? Trying to talk to Toxic Avenger 666. Doesn't seem to be happening. Toxic Avenger, are you there? Andrew. Yes! Finally, Toxic oh, Avenger. Wonderful. Toxic Avenger 666, Hi. you're here. Wonderful. This is crazy. I've always wanted to do this. Cool. Well, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. What's on your mind this evening? Uh, I mean, so I'm wondering what you think our our final season is going to be like think we're going to be at the end of it our place do you think we're going to make the top four and are you hoping that we have saint totteringham's day this year oh okay i like the way you said that our final season as if you know something about the future of the football club itself or perhaps the world um, no, 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 that was poor word choice. I'm sorry. That's okay. I think we've got the talent 
and the uh, the quality in the squad to finish in the top four with the players that we have. Um, I, I look at some of the other teams and I look at the way they're struggling. I look at the way they're they're struggling for form. I look at some of the issues that they have within their team, and I know we have issues ourselves. But but you know, from a an attacking point of view, I think there's so much quality in this team that that really should see us finish in in the top four. So. Anything less than finishing in the top four would be really, really disappointing for me. Um, and I also think, yes, of course, St. Totteringham's Day would be would be fantastic. And the earlier it happened, the even better it would be. Rather than like late April or May, let's do it in, uh, you know, February or something, because that would mean Tottenham have completely fallen apart. Yeah. And I would rather we do it with our quality than waiting for some dodgy lasagna to hit them. Well, why not a bit of both? You know, uh, they could have Actually, a, they could have a, a you know an unpleasant dinner, which causes them you know to spray fecal matter you know all over the place. And also, we could be good. Those two things can exist hand in hand. Well, not hand in hand. That sounds um, appalling. But you know, side by side. But hopefully, with a big glass wall between them, so we don't get any of the spray. That's, I totally agree. And why not have them have a little bit of, you know, the shits because Tottenham is shit. Correct. Correct, my friend. Thank you for your call this evening. Thank you very much, Andrew. Take care. Cheers. All right, you too. Thanks, man. Hello? Andrew. Yes. Oh, sweet. It worked. It did kind of work. This is so dodgy, this. I keep bringing people in and hardly any of it works, but uh, I'm struggling manfully through. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I dropped you like twice and I was like, oh, there goes my chance. So who, who am I talking to? Oh, my name's Adam. I'm from Atlanta. How's it going? Not too bad. Yourself? Oh, can't complain. I actually owe you a beer. Actually, a few beers. Because uh, one time I was flying from from Miami to Chicago and I had to drive to iowa and you put out the arse cast super early for me so that way i would have something to listen to when i drove i landed and had to drive at like two in the morning till six in the morning to get to where we were going did, i've never did, forgotten so you drove from where from atlanta to iowa no i flew into chicago but i had to drive from chicago to iowa okay how far, how long and is that like four hours oh and we had to we landed at like one in the morning rented a car and it was like two in the morning and you posted the arse cast for me so i would have something to listen to and not fall asleep while driving especially for you i did that that seems very yep. nice wow okay <laughs> <laughs> well grand next time i'm in iowa or chicago or atlanta or you'll you can buy me those beers yeah so <laughs> so do you have a do you have a question yes um so one of the things i was wondering um being an outsider, not really growing up with football, when I look at the way that Emery is shaping the team, to me it almost feels like he's trying to force his his way as if to show that he's in power. Mm. Like We look at things that are so blatantly obvious to us. Like last year when he wouldn't sit Mustafi or when he wouldn't play Lacazette and Aubameyang together or this year with not sitting Xhaka refusing to play Ozil, though we need someone that's creative, playing Torreira out of position. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of things that, to me, it comes across as Emery trying to 
force his hand and say, listen, I'm the one that's in charge. I'm going to do what I want. I'm wondering if you're kind of getting the same impression with that. I get my thinking on that is that a manager would do things that he thinks are the right thing for the team and for the you know the right way for him to to achieve results because ultimately that's that's what he's going to get judged on. I don't think it's a case that he's doing these things just because he wants to make a, you know make a point or to show people that that he's the guy in charge. Um whether you agree that this is the best way for him to to win games, that's where I think the issue is, you know. Um, I do feel perhaps, you know, with Ozil in particular last season, there was definitely a bit of, you know, I'm the manager, you're a player, and every player is the same, whereas, you know, previously Mesut Ozil got a bit of special treatment from Arsene Wenger. So you can understand why he maybe wanted to put his foot down a little bit in that regard. But generally, I think he makes the decisions that he thinks are the right ones for for his team and for the games that we're playing. But quite often, and I, you know, I'd agree, I'd have some of the concerns, they don't really work out quite as well as we might like. Yeah, being relatively ignorant to the sport overall, because growing up in America, I wasn't introduced into it until 2010. There's times in American sports where you see coaches come in and they try to force their way in order to make a stamp and say, you know, I'm in charge of this organization now. And there seems to be a lot of similarities from what I'm seeing with Emery. Um, I don't mean to use the Ozil as the example, because that's almost like a spark that people are very divisive over. Mm. But something as simple as like Xhaka not being seated when he's made crucial errors to the team and then he names him captain. And you and James have talked about that on the podcast previously that, you know, there there needs to be a time where Xhaka sat down and maybe we see Torreira in the defensive midfield role anchoring the midfield. I think- and to me, it's, it's almost like he's trying to exude his footballing genius. Maybe there is. Maybe there is an element of, of ego involved in it. I, I can't say for sure. I think he he sees the flaws in Xhaka's game as less important than the the positive aspects that, that he wants from him in terms of how he he wants to play the game and how Xhaka can contribute to that. But I, I actually I have to say I do find his very strident defense of, of Xhaka's mistakes just a little bit grating because um, – there are times where where I think Xhaka has done things that that don't necessarily merit the manager coming out in in full support of him. Uh, you know, you think about the penalty that he gave away this season against Tottenham. Emery was very quick to dismiss that as any player can make a mistake. So maybe there is an element of that, um, but I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see how this season plays out and whether whether the decisions he makes are going to be based more on what we see on the pitch or what he sees on the training ground. Okay. Do you think he has a, uh, or in your mind, is there a, a high watermark that he would need to reach in order to keep his position? Or do you think he's not in jeopardy of his position right now? I think he's got to finish top four. I think if he doesn't finish in the top four, I think he's gone. Do you um, think there is a point where they'll they won't let him finish the season if there comes a time when we're on the precipice of the top four being uh a little bit out of our reach i think that i think that might be 
I think that might be a time where they say uh, it's time for him to go. And we've just lost Adam. Oh, my goodness. So let's take a break. Maybe there'll be an ad here. Maybe there won't. But there might be a second of silence before we take the next call. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello? That guy is... Keep trying to bring him in. Hello? Hello? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Hey, Hi. Hey, Blogs. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. Who am I talking to? Uh, this is uh, Brendan. Hey, Brendan. Where are you? I am in uh, eastern Massachusetts, close oh. to Boston. Okay, cool, cool. How's your day going? Uh, it's very well. I'm doing some training for a uh, new position. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. What, 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 what's, your, uh, what's your work? Uh, so, I work for Amazon. Um, they're... I guess the new logistics uh, department. So like they're doing their own delivery instead of like FedEx and UPS. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm going to be the driver trainer. So Try. all the people driving the vans and stuff. Okay. Well, good, good for you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> um, so I, I have an interesting question, I guess. Um, how far out do you think um, like Freddie Humberg would be from, I don't want to say he's actually a coach the first team, but like, how how far out do you think he would be to to be ready? That's a really good question. Um, it's it's sort of hard to know. You know, there's that part of your brain that says, "Okay, he's never managed a first team game in his life." You know, does he have the experience to do the job at this level? And then there are lots of examples of young guys getting jobs. 
and doing really well because they've been given the responsibility. Um, from everything you read about Freddie, from everything you you hear about him on the training ground, he's he's really popular. Um, he's uh, he's a very good coach. Apparently, the players really like him and they respect him, particularly the the young players. Um, and I think sometimes it's interesting that that the players you don't necessarily think are going to be the ones who who are uh, are going to be great coaches can often be the guys who who come through and do that. Um, yeah. It was you know it goes back even to George Graham who was you know a manager in the in the eighties and nineties, um, and when he was a player at Arsenal, his nickname was Stroller because he was just kind of he he kind of. Not that he didn't take it seriously, but you know he wasn't he wasn't that guy. Um, but when he became a manager, he was Mister Discipline, and he he did amazing things for Arsenal as a manager. And lots of people said, "Well, I never expected him to be a manager." Um, I think what's interesting about Freddie is he seems to have um, he seems to have done his time in terms of you know coaching underage teams he's coached an under 23 team uh, he's been an assistant coach assistant manager at Wolfsburg even though that didn't last very long he's come back to Arsenal been at the under 23 coach he was very successful there and made it clear to the club that he wanted to move into the first team coaching um sphere so i think he is basically telling them that you know if if needed he's ready i think he probably feels he's ready Hmm. I agree with that because um, I, I guess once you've been on the big stage and like won trophy, I'm guessing it's different for being a coach versus a player. But mm. I, f- I feel like you'd be ready for the pressure situation. I, I don't know tactically or you know man manager wise. Like it, I, from what we hear, I think he's relatively ready. But I got, I guess the people are like you know he's he hasn't managed the first team, but. You know, when once you've been a player at that high of a level and won stuff and had all the pressure of big games, mm. I feel like you'd be relatively <laughs> at least given a go at it. But yeah, I, I agree. Like all that, like I was listening to uh, the mailbag on the our, the Arsenal Vision. They were just talking about how um, oh shoot, what were they talking about? All kinds but of shit. Made, <laughs> very true. But I think they were talking about how. Uh, of, of Freddie was uh, d- developing as a coach, and, and they made a lot of good points. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think what's the way I sort of look at it, or, you know, when it comes to Freddie, is that we maybe people haven't bought into what Emery is doing, and he's a hard coach mm-hmm. and a hard guy to sort of connect with. Whereas mm-hmm. I think we could look at what's going on in Arsenal right now. So Arsene Wenger's gone. We've had a coach who's come in and sort of stabilized things to an extent. We've brought a lot of young players through. We're looking at those guys as the future of the club. We've got Edu back. We've got Mertesacker there. You know, the 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 whole structure has changed behind the scenes. And Freddie would kind of fit in with this idea of of a, a rebirth of Arsenal, if you like, a young, dynamic, uh ambitious coach mm-hmm. who hopefully will uh play the kind of football that we can all get behind, you know, because he was that kind of a player and he came from that kind of environment. He played in the best teams that anyone has ever seen. So it's really easy to buy into the idea of Freddie coming in and doing the job and 
and, you know, being, for want of a better word, I'm not trying to draw parallels in any way, but being our Guardiola, if you like, because Guardiola... Uh, when he took over at Barcelona, he only had one season with their B team and then he was their manager and look, here he is 12, 15 years later and he's, you know, probably, uh, you know, the best coach in the world. So, you know, so I think we obviously have to temper our expectations, but I think we can see that sort of, that sort of path for someone like Freddie and it, it, it feels, it feels right. Or something. I don't know how to describe it, other than it kind of feels like, yeah, I'd be behind this just from a the idea point of view. Absolutely. All right. Um, but sorry. No, that's it. That's it. I just, you know, if you oh, have okay. any further thoughts, I'm happy to no, hear them. No, no. I just wanted to thank you so much for uh, you know all that you do. I, I've been really like all the Arsenal women stuff that you've been doing, and really helps me, uh, you know, keep up to date and engage with them. So I just wanted to really thank you about uh, being able to branch out to. All, all stuff Arsenal. Not at all. Well, listen, thank you for the support. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. No problem, Andrew. All right. Thank you. Take it easy, man. You too. Hello. 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 There we go. There we go. How's that was strange. It is strange. Uh, uh, nice to talk to you, Arsbog. Uh, hopefully it's been going well so far. It's been going all right. Uh, Discord is a bit weird for audio, but what what can you do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so I wanted to chat about uh, something specific today. I guess it's general and specific. Okay. Uh, so when Arsene Wenger left the club, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, he had written a letter to the fans. And in the letter, he had stated to uh, something along the lines of, for Arsenal lovers everywhere, please take care of the values of the club. Yeah. So I want to know, in your opinion, what are Arsenal's values to you on the pitch and, and off the pitch? And do you think we're heading in the right direction to meet those values? Wow. Okay. Um, I, I guess if we're talking about on the pitch, Arsene Wenger would be talking about attacking stylish enjoyable exciting football that's what i think he means when we talk about you know what's going on uh on the pitch the values that we have um that you know to a large extent he he instilled because he did it for such a long period of time it's not as if uh, it's not as if he didn't or Arsenal didn't play good football under other managers, but I just think for for because he was there so long and it was his philosophy to play in that way, I think he, he sees those of as the values of the club um, in sort of maybe the same way as when Cruyff imprinted his sort of philosophy on Barcelona in a way. Right. Um, I thought it was quite interesting recently, wasn't it, where he talked about um, Emery and he hasn't um, he hasn't really watched too much of what uh, the club has been doing. He says he's he's a supporter, but I think I found it quite interesting what he said. He he hopes that Unai Emery can play the kind of game he likes. I thought that was that was quite interesting. Um, people sort of interpreted that to say uh, he plays the kind of football I like and he didn't actually say that. He said, I, I hope he can play the, the a kind of game that I like, which 
which is exciting, which is attacking, which is, you know, a team that takes control, a team that that looks to dominate the opposition as much as possible. Um, so those, those are the values I think he's talking about uh, on the pitch. Off the pitch, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's a big multi-billion dollar business, multi-million pound business even. Um, and I guess it's just about trying to be as decent and um, upstanding as you can be if you're that kind of a, a business. Um, yeah, that that is my main concern off the pitch because um, I've been personal for 19 years now, most of my life, honestly. Mm. And I'm sure you can recall moments like uh, obviously the way we treated Arson and uh, when we booed Abue that one match. Uh, recent treatment of players, Jaka, Mustafi, Ozil. Um, I don't feel like that really reflects the values that Wenger had in mind. And I do feel it's kind of a Emirates-era trend. I don't really recall instances in, at Highbury when we would boo our own players or anything like that. At well, least not in mass. Maybe the, the individual here or there. Uh, look, I think... Um, I think players being criticized and players being um given a hard time Abuse, is yeah. It, yeah well yeah maybe i mean it's 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 not a new phenomenon by any means i think when you grow up um uh you know you said you've been an arsenal fan for 19 years so you know it, it coincided with some of the best times success right um but you know previously to that there were times when arsenal were not good and fans were not shy about letting uh, the players know, letting the <laughs> letting the board know, letting everyone know that they weren't appreciative of what was going on on the pitch. So that that's not a new phenomenon and I, I'm not sure necessarily that those are, are are things that we can be too critical about when it comes to the supposed values of the club because, you know, I, I think off the pitch he's talking about um, he's talking about how we operate as as an institution rather than, you know, how fans behave. And obviously, you, you know, it's true for every club that you want fans to behave in a, in, a, in a good way, in a positive way. But I think it's, you know, remembering that Arsenal is part of a local community, for example. It's a global club now, but it is a local community and it does a lot of work locally in, in North London um, and, and those kind of things. And... Um, yeah, I you know it's it's so uh, it's so difficult sometimes to to reconcile the behavior of a business with the behavior of a sporting institution or what we would consider acceptable for a sporting institution. You know, um, ticket prices, for example, um, how you communicate with fans; those are things I think that. Um, that represent the values of of a football club and and what a football club will do for its fans, or whether it will you know like many football clubs as um, as we've seen you know this evening with lots of fixtures being played all over the place, you know whether right. you just bend over you take the money and and that's a reality. I'm not saying that's an easy thing for any football club to deal with, but it is still a a reality. I think he he was always a, a, a an honest guy, an upstanding guy, a, a decent guy. Um, 
certainly he always said the right thing anyway when it came to, you know, issues that um, were concerning people off the pitch or if, you know, there were certain things going on. You know, you, you knew Wenger was always going to say the right thing. Um, I guess maybe some of his concern was the fact that, you know, it was taken over by KSE and it would become just part of uh, a franchise or, or what have you, you know? Um, it's a difficult one. It's quite nebulous to get well, your head One around. thing I do think the club doesn't get enough credit for is um, we've only seen Hector do it so far, at least vocally, but Hector, as, as I'm sure many fans know, he talks on many issues of all kinds. And we never see the club or anybody rein him in or try to tell him, you know, I just play football, Hector, don't worry about politics. So I think that's really positive that um, Arsenal Football Club allows their players to be vocal about these issues. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, more players, given the platform that they have and given the profile that they have, should speak out about issues which um, which affect all of us, whether it's climate change or whether it's racism or sexism or whatever it might be, it would be great to hear more players speak out in in that way. I I get the sense that with Hector, even if Arsenal were to say, you know, don't talk about this, that or the other, he's not the kind of guy who would would pay attention to that. Yeah, he would still do it. I think he would still do it. And that's really admirable. Whether you agree with him or you don't agree with him, that's a different question. Um, But yeah, I think it would be great if we had more players. But, you know, there are so many so many things going on in the background with players, you know, whether it's commercial interests, whether it's, you know, they don't feel necessarily um, secure enough at a football club to speak out and to talk about things which affect society. Maybe some of the players quite enjoy some of the bad stuff that goes on. You know, there's, there's that side of it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love Hector and I love what he talks about and I love that he's he's willing to, you know, put his head above the parapet and, and give his opinion and take the take the hits on social media and uh, deal with the, the abuse that he gets. Um so yeah, more more of more of that from Hector and from other players in this Arsenal side would be would be very welcome. Yeah, I, I was one of the people that wanted Hector to be captain. Aubameyang would have been my second choice though. Uh, I think I would have gone Obama Yang now and, you know, look at Hector in a year's time or two years time or something like that. But I'm gl- I'm really glad he's part of the captain's group. However absurd the, the concept of five <laughs> captains might be, I'm glad he's in there. Oh, I, I did want to say one more thing um, on sure. the idea of Arsene Wenger going to Arsenal games. I've always kind of had a feeling as long as Emery's manager, he won't go to a game. And not because it's Unai Emery, but because it's the man after him. But if, let's say, Emery was replaced in January and Jumberg became coach, I have a feeling that Wenger would be going to games more often. Maybe. But I just I- think he doesn't want to add that uh, crowd pressure on the new manager. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. But I think the new manager is now, you know well into his second season if Arsene Wenger wanted to come and watch a game um, from the director's box I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that if he was a presence there for every single home game I think that yeah I think that would be that would be an issue Um, but 
you know, if Arsene Wenger wanted to drop in and watch a North London derby or, or whatever, I think at this point it's okay. You know, the cameras would turn to him and, uh, you know, if things went wrong on the pitch, he'd have to keep his, his poker face on in a big way. I'm sure he'd be fine. He'd be absolutely fine at that. But I don't think it would be a, you know, I understood and I understand why he stayed away. Um, but I, I think he would be, I think he'd be well within his rights to, to come and see a game at this point. I can't wait for that day, honestly, just seeing him at the stadium. Okay, well, um, we'll... But, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I guess, you know, we'll see. It'll happen sooner or later. And that's all I really had to say. It won't take up any more of your time and hope rest of the chats go well. All right, thank you, man. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Okay, let's try it one more time. Not happening. Hello. Oh, hello. Sorry. You're there. Hey, what's up? I am here this time, yes. Oh, my God. Okay. We've been trying to do this. I've been pulling you into this um, into this uh, channel for uh, ages and it hasn't been working. So it's Corey. Yes, it is. Where are you, Corey? I am currently in the United States. I live in Alabama. Alabama. Where are you now? You sound like you're on the freeway. I am at work currently right now. <laughs> what do you do for work? Oh, I work in a lovely cabinet factory. A cabinet factory? What kind of cabinets? Any yes. any cabinet you want? I mean, basically, I mean, it's it's a very large, large uh, plant. So it's a family-owned business around here where I live at. And, uh, and yeah, they, I mean... It's a multi-million dollar corporation as far as I know. So, okay. I mean, I think, I think they're doing okay. All right. Who knew there was so much money in cabinets? I, I mean, I definitely didn't. So, <laughs> so what's, uh, what's on your mind this evening? Okay. Yeah. No, it's just something that um, I've been thinking about. Um, I heard this in another podcast recently. Yes, I know. Another podcast. Oh, that's okay. Um, but, uh, but it was just something I, that really stuck with me. But um, kind of goes into this whole... Uh, thing that happened between Bulgaria and England recently uh, with the, uh, the racism and all that stuff. And I mean, when it's like this in certain places, in certain countries still, uh, where racism is so prevalent and so, so just ingrained into the society or whatever it might be, I mean, do you think that might be the same reason why there's not very many openly uh, gay players in uh, modern football? Because, I mean, thinking back, I can only come up with a couple of names just here and there back uh, years back. I think there was a, a, an American guy named uh, Robbie or something like that that came out about 10, 15 years ago or something like that. But you just never hear. I mean, you don't hear about it anymore. And I mean... I just, you know, I just wonder what your thoughts might have been on why that might be the case. Yeah, it was Robbie Rogers was the guy. Yes. Why is it not the case? I, I, I think it's down to it's it's down to the the culture of football. Um, yeah. Off the pitch and sort of in the dressing room as well. I mean, I think now there's probably a lot more understanding, and I think you know players are growing up you know, in in a world where people are far more accepting of, of gay people than they were 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Uh, but I just think the culture of the game and the sort of the macho uh, element of it and this idea that, you know, in order to be a, a, a good footballer, you have to be a man. I think that, right, yeah. that plays a part. And I think, it, you know, obviously I can't speak to this because I've, you know, it's not something that I've ever had to go through. But I would say that, you know, coming out to your to your close friends and to your family 
I'd say that's scary enough. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. But if you have to do it in front of the world's media, I guess, or, or, or everybody, every single football fan, because it would be a huge story. Because we haven't oh, yeah, really had sure. a, we haven't had a, a gay player. I mean, of course, there have been many gay players throughout the years in the Premier League, but but none of them have been sort of out when they were playing. I think Tom, Thomas Hitzelsperger was was a guy who played for years in the Premier League, but he came out after he'd he'd retired. the The enormity of being the first guy, I think, is probably inhibiting for for a lot of the a lot of the players who might be thinking okay i could probably deal with this but do i want to be the first guy do i want to be the guy yeah. who's got to do all the interviews all the all the press deal with all the social media all of that stuff i think that's a that's a very significant part of it because i think within the dressing room you know your teammates um you like to imagine would 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 have your back but it's not about yeah. whether your teammates accept you it's about it's about like what the reaction is going to be from rival fans who will probably sing songs and you know um idiots on on twitter who will send homophobic abuse and and all that kind of stuff you know it's a lot to take on it's a lot yeah, to take yeah, on yeah of course um, but it just, it, it, it was just interesting to me to think about because, I mean, the more you think about it, I mean, there, there are plenty more openly uh, gay uh, women's footballers out there yeah. now. And it just, it, it can, I mean, yeah, I guess it would probably be, probably be the whole masculine side of the game where it's like, oh, macho man, I'm, I'm a big buff guy and that's all. And I, I love women, blah, blah, blah. But or it just seems like it was always a little bit more easy for for that for some reason and it, i don't know it's just something i've been pondering yeah, lately no, so no i think i think when it happens and and surely it's it's inevitable because i think you know whoever that is would would have a you know a massive amount of support from from you know every decent football fan out there who would understand what it is to be that guy who who basically uh, blazes the trail and who who breaks down that barrier because it is a barrier and i think if it happened if we got that you know that first guy to come out and uh, no pun intended but to come out and 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 sort of be open about their sexuality i think there would probably be right. more more would follow him in a fairly quick amount of time because you know it's about it's just about smashing through that 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 barrier that exists and it does exist and it's it's weird and um unhappy to think that in 2019 it still exists to the extent Correct, that it does yeah. you know it's so ingrained within the culture of the game that that nobody feels comfortable be just being who they are it's right, it's yeah. a shame, but you know we'll see. I think it's going to happen sooner or later, and when it does, you know yeah, the, the, I mean, the floodgates will open a bit. Yeah, no, it's just it, like you said. It's it's 2019, and the fact that you know this is still, or well, things like this is still a discussion with you know um, whether you're gay or straight, or you know whether you're um, black or white. I mean that just uh, it's it's ridiculous, sure. and I mean. Hopefully sooner rather than later that uh, we'll stop ha having to have these kinds of discussions. But, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know, we've got a long way to go. Unfortunately, some of the uh, stuff that's gone on this week 
is is depressing. Um, you would have thought we'd be in a better place uh, for all of that right now. But look, all, all we can do is just keep going on. And, uh, you know, as and when people need the support that they need, we can give it to them. 100%. I agree with that. All right, Corey. Thank you very much indeed for your call. All right. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Hello. Hello. Uh, hi. <laughs> Sorry, I was oh, just wow. I was just editing the podcast and you you popped in here. The Mighty Watkins. Oh. Yeah, that's me. How's it going? <laughs> Good, thank you. Not too bad. Where are you? <laughs> I'm in Newburn, North Carolina. Okay. Originally from? No, no. I'm actually uh I'm actually half Welsh and half French. Uh but I've ended up here just uh for studies. There's a mix. That is a good mix. Yes. Uh, yes, certainly. <laughs> so, what's on your mind this evening? Oh, well, I, um, actually, I was I was just uh, seeing if uh, you guys were still recording because I thought there was um, like a live phone in. It was. It was. I, oh, it was. Yeah, okay. it was. I, I've I've done loads of them, or well, quite a few, and I've been editing them because uh, quite a lot of them have connection issues, and I forgot to oh, like okay. close off the Discord thing, and then you popped in, and I guess you were hearing some of the audio when you popped into that channel, did you? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Okay. Well. Well, I'm sorry to bother you. Uh, no, not at all. If you if you have a question or if you want to talk about something Arsenal related, I can I can always use this. Oh, really? Okay. Sure. Yeah, um. If yeah. Okay. Uh, do you mean right now or in the future? Well, right now, seeing as we're talking, I can't commit to you know. <laughs> the future in any significant right. way right at this moment in time i don't know where i'm gonna be and who knows when but yeah seeing as we're here we might as well sure uh yeah um definitely uh i was actually thinking of the transfer window in january and just looking at the reports for uh diet upamecano um i know you guys don't really do a lot of the transfer speculation stuff but um uh if you were like looking at a back line and and seeing who we need and what we need to improve either in this in this January window or for, you know, ne- next summer, who do you think, or what do you think is the area that we need improvement in the most? Cause mm. I mean, most, most people would probably say the back line, which I possibly, I, I think I agree with. Yeah. I, I think we, we do have to look at the center of our defense. No question. I don't really think we're going to do anything in January, to be honest, no. Unless there's some kind of disaster and we need a player very urgently, I suspect January will be really quiet and they'll they'll keep their powder dry until uh, until the summer. Um, but yeah, certainly he's a player that we've been linked with, and he looks like the kind of player who could come in and and um, you know add some youth and strength and physicality to the center of our defense. Um, I think we have to remember as well we've got. Um, William Saliba coming in as well okay, yeah. next next season. So he, he'll still be quite young, though, only 19. But Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's actually it's, just, it's really weird seeing like all these players who are about the same age as me because I'm only about 19. And so I'm seeing like all these players who are a bit younger than me come into the team. And it's such a, it's such a weird, weird thing to see like uh, a person who's my brother's age just come into the team and you know be such an amazing player like uh, Gabriel Martinelli yeah I mean that's incredible it's you know it's even worse when you get to an age where you know they're old enough or you know (laughs) to be your children if that was the case (laughs) 
I'm like, luckily, I'm not. I mean, not luckily, but I'm not at that age yet where Gabriel Martinelli could be my child. But um, age-wise, but um, yeah, no, I, this is awesome just to speak with you about this stuff. Uh, really, really cool. No, not at all, um, not at all. I mean, one day you will be as old as me, but I'll be much older than right. I am now. Hopefully, right. we're both still here <laughs> at that point. I feel like it'll be like some future of a episode where uh, I'm just just stuck in a time capsule for a thousand years. Yeah, that'd be cool. Everything's gone, and I'm just a head in a jar. <laughs> exactly (laughs) hey look i take it yeah exactly exactly still doing podcasts twice a week because i don't know what the fuck else i'm gonna do to be perfectly honest look you know if you enjoy it yeah well that's it that's it you know it's exactly uh, doesn't feel like work when you enjoy it that's for sure no precisely all right well listen great talking with you uh yeah you too enjoy your studies in north carolina whereabouts exactly in north carolina uh newburn it's about an hour or hour and a half outside of uh raleigh okay um yeah I, uh, I think you guys were here over the summer, right? Yeah, we were in uh, Charlotte, which was, Charlotte, uh, okay. yeah, it was great. I had a fantastic time in Charlotte and everyone there was uh, really hospitable and really friendly. And I, I really enjoyed the city and the drinking and the food that was there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a good place. Good yeah. barbecue. Good barbecue. Oh, definitely. That's for sure. Yes. Okay, yes, well, definitely. enjoy that in Europe. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy the barbecue right. and uh, thanks for calling. Thank you. All right, man. Yeah, no problem. There you go. Thank you very much indeed to everyone who called in on the Arsblog Discord server, which is problematic for audio. That podcast took quite a bit of editing, to be perfectly honest. More than I would have liked, but there you go. I'm at the mercy of the technology. Sunderland on Monday. Oh, look, we've got a whole weekend to preview the game on the blog and everything else. So we'll do team news on arsblog.com and on Arsblog News. So make sure you're tuned in for that. James and I will, of course, be doing an Arscast Extra, but not until Tuesday, because obviously we're playing Monday night and we'll do the uh, podcast, the reaction podcast on Tuesday morning. So until then, have yourselves a good Arsenal-free weekend. Catch you on Tuesday. Bye-bye. Now on the Arscast, an exclusive extract from Clive Allen's new autobiography entitled What Do You Mean You Don't Know Who I Am? As read by the angriest man on Twitter. The following season, we played Arsenal at the Emirates and as usual, they won. I was, as you'd imagine, incandescent with rage. It's been one of my greatest qualities in life, the ability to display various levels of anger at all times, regardless of how inconsequential the problem. Kids are late to school? Annoyed. Dog takes too long to do a shit when we're out on a walk? Irate. Not enough sugar in my tea? Fuming. YouTube video stops in the middle to play an ad? 
furious. There was already an head of the star. How many heads do you need before I can watch my moon landing conspiracy theories? I mean, how could they have even got there in the first place? It's dark at night and spaceships don't have headlights. Anyway, after the game, Harry Redknapp and Arsene Wenger were having a chat. I was thinking, Oi, Wenger, no! He seemed to hear my brain and looked over. Don't even say a word to me, I said. Said Wenger, tweaking his nipples in a gesture of high camp mockery. Don't, I shouted. This was it. I was ready to punch him. Calm your tits, Beyonce, said Wenger. My tits! My tits! I've always been sensitive about them. He knew exactly where to stick the knife in. I was just about to do a patented Clive Allen angry face karate chop on him when Joe Jordan grabbed me by the shoulder. Get those shirts picked up and put in the laundry, he said. If it wasn't for that, there definitely would have been fisticuffs. As for Wenger, I will never shake his hand, or for that matter, any other part of his body.